Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to the CollectingCars.com podcast with Chris Harris and Edward Lovett. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Collecting Cars podcast. Today with myself and Edward Lovett, at Edward Lovett that is, um, Mr. Richard Porter, otherwise known as Sniff Petrol. Uh, Richard is, well, he's our industry's chief satirist and also scriptwriter for Top Gear, the television show, and also, latterly, the Grand Tour. Uh, and we disagree about a lot of things. We agree about some things, so this should be quite punchy and fun. Um, he is at Sniff Petrol on Twitter, at Sniff underscore Petrol on Instagram, because someone nicked the, um, the tag there, and he's a bit angry about that. But otherwise, any, any other stuff that you want to be called? I've been called a lot of things, but, <laughs> but I don't want to be called them. By Tesla. Um, uh, okay, first of all, Great to have you here. Thank you for coming along. We're both a bit sore in the head because he had a few beers last night and so did I separately. So if we start to get I have ranty, wine, Christopher, because I'm a grown-up now. If we start to get ranty and angry, um, I apologise, or it could make it even better. We'll see what happens. Um, sniff petrol, then. Look, everyone wants to know the genesis of that that hasn't read your book. But uh, if you read your book, then you'll know. Yeah. everyone has. Yeah. What You mean my book and on that bombshell? That's the one. Behind the scenes on Top Gear. Available from all good bookstores. And some fairly terrible ones as well. <laughs> uh, mostly charity shops these days, I'd imagine, because it's been out for a couple of years, three years now. It was a big seller so. in Poland, wasn't it? It was translated into Polish, and that's the only promo stuff I did. Um, I went and did a, a, like an appearance in a bookshop in Warsaw and signed books <laughs> and did a Q&A. They sent a photographer and everything. There's some pictures of me signing books like a proper author. It's one of the proudest things I've ever done, because I just went, oh, look at me pretending to be a writer this is the thing about disruptors like you because when you when you appeared on the scene you were the renegade but you were a faceless renegade we didn't know who you were i remember sitting in the autocar office i don't know it was 99 2000 or maybe it was around then or after that i can't be sure and someone said have you seen this and i was um it was quite late at night the internet was still you know dial-up speeds so someone yeah. said type in sniffpetrol.com so as the whirly wheel of death 
spiralled away on my black and white Mac, I thought, well, this might happen. This thing came up on the screen with a very, very basic but memorable graphic um, of a sort of petrol pump handle. Mm-hmm. And, and the story was Steve Crapley's Motoring Week. And this was a parody <laughs> of, of autocar journalist Steve Crapley's Motoring Week. And rather than brilliantly having, changing, they brilliantly changed the name to uh, Crapley rather than Cropley. And Mo- Motoring Week was spelled W-E-A-K. Um, and this was, it was so impish and naughty. You, you know, it took the piss out of, you know, a, a beloved industry figure in a way that we hadn't seen before. And, uh, and of course, what we did was we watched it, we read it, we tittered with laughter until weeks later. It was us that were bu- the bus of the joke. And, he, and we didn't know who this bloke was. I don't remember ever doing you. I'll let you into a secret, though, that the Steve Crapley's Motoring Week, I didn't write most of that. I can't tell you who did, but it was somebody else sent it to me. Someone I know. <laughs> I think you might know as well. I'm sure I do. And it was so perfect. I only changed a few things and added a little bit in. But the bit that got me that I definitely didn't write was because um, I just thought it was a perfect satire on the way that, that Steve Cropley still writes his week in motoring, whatever it's actually called, uh, was the thing where it, it, it was something about... Uh, Reminded me of when car parts were delivered to factories on trains. Of course, it's all the other way around these days. And it's just like it just doesn't make any sense, but it's just that sort of slightly wistful nostalgia thing that I just went. That's perfect, but I didn't write that. Does and Steve I, Grappley still write? Yes, he. Oh, well, no, the, 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 that was a one-off. Um, was and a one-off. That, of course, I'd so never probably, met. Probably still a columnist. And, and yeah, and I'd never met yeah. him. Now I've met him quite a few times, and I know him a little bit. And he's a really lovely guy. And I he's, would he's, never he's, do that because I feel so guilty. He's, he's one of the greats of our industry. When we've got a couple of old car magazines here, because we've been looking at them, we'll discuss them later on. But I've got an issue of Car here, which is from. January 1988, and it's got some of Steve's words in it, and he's, you know, one of the great motoring journalists of our generation. Well, if but, you're a, if you're but, a nerd like we are, yeah, uh, and, and you're of a certain age, I think we all get a bit wistful and nostalgic about Car Magazine from the 80s, particularly, and it's his era in charge, which was I, I don't know, uh, so 83, 84, mid, mid, like mid, late, mid to late 70s to the to you know late 80s, where Gavin yeah. Green took over, didn't he? But it, it's Cropley's stuff is. That was peak car magazine. Yeah, and they defined what it was. But like, and I, I had a weekly column in Autocar. And the one thing you can't avoid, frankly, is repeating yourself. It has 51 issues a year of Autocar, the double special at Christmas. Mm. Um, and y- you have to repeat yourself. And sadly, if you've got a weekly diary-based column, mm. sometimes you get to the point where people can tell what's going to come. And I, yeah. think, I think Steve, for a while, slipped into that. And of course... You hit the zeitgeist because we were all. You said what we were thinking, which is what which is what satirists do. So you did that one, and then I remember just a flow of other material that had me in hysterics. I remember when Steve Sutcliffe had um, again. These are all people I know and like. Steve, they put Steve on the cover of the magazine in a fairly ridiculous race suit to judge between what was best. A Ford Mondeo ST, yes. they were going, or a, or, a, or a Vectra GSI or something, and it was one of these grand statements that, looking back, was was just not supportable. And it said, "Vectra versus Mondeo, Sutcliffe decides." First of all, you think no one gives a shit anyway about whether a Vectra is better than a Mondeo, not even the people that work at Autocar, and we were <laughs> and we were really sad and still are. So he took he took the piss, and rather than having. Did you do did you do Sharon versus Arafat or was it Israel versus Palestine? Yeah, it was. So I photoshopped it. So it was the original picture of Sutcliffe, but took the cars out and put in um, Arafat and 
I guess it was Ariel Sharon or, or Netanyahu, whoever was around at that point. Uh, and it was, yeah, <laughs> Israel v. Palestine, <laughs> Sutcliffe decide. <laughs> but the reason that sort of, I suppose, worked as a bit of satire is just because there's the sheer pomposity of the, of the original. Because it's, it, it's putting this magnitude on it that simply it does not deserve. It is only two but you do know that, similar you, But you do know that, that, and I felt so sorry for Steve at that point, because, you know, I can remember him having to put on this bloody race suit <laughs> and have this photo taken, and it's just, it's just the whole... Well, now, hang on a minute. Were you not? rummaging in the dressing up box more recently on the front of Top Gear magazine. Oh, I've got There some. was one where you were dressed as Del Boy. I've got Del Boy, Lederhosen. They put me in... Uh, Lederhosen. Lederhosen. That was the one. Put me in Lederhosen. Because I was in a... I Do you get in, to keep those? No, they're worth about five grand and they get handed down oh, through generations. Ones, were they? They're proper well, ones. you're going to need those but also, profoundly, I profoundly offended the woman that gave them to me because she turned around and said, but you're in a Porsche, that's from Stuttgart. It's just the wrong place. It's, these are Bavarian, aren't they? These lederhosen. <laughs> so, so I, I was totally fraudulent. It's a, it's a bit like I don't know, wearing something that's supposed to be from Newcastle and then turning up in Liverpool with it. It was just the worst thing I could or possibly even have done. Sunderland. Yeah. Do you know there's a story about that? Sorry, just as a little aside, but I, I love this story that when the uh, current Nissan Qashqai, which I don't believe Steve Sutcliffe has decided about, but <laughs> it's a car people buy. When they ran the first. Um, sort of pre-production or, or, or pilot build cars down the line in their factory in the northeast. They then camoed them up in black and white wrap. But the problem is that's the colours of Newcastle United. And some <laughs> of the factory workers support Newcastle United, but then some of them support Sunderland, who are red and white. So in the end, as a political get out of jail, did they red and white? Son? They did some of them in camo wrap that was red and white, so they didn't have a strike on their hands. <laughs> so I thought it was quite sweet. That's quite a good thing. But you can imagine just going black and white. All these Sunderland fans getting really radgy about it. Can you imagine your, your football being so, your football mentality being so partisan that you take offence at camo? Yes, yeah. that you torch your own company's pre-production cars <laughs> in fury. Um, yeah, so I, I think we used to read it and just and just there was this great sense. It's a bit like Private Eye for a politician. I'm sure this great sense that. I don't want to be the next victim, but I'll be really proud when I am. Yeah, that's, I think that's what was that was what was coming. You did get me quietly once, and I can admit to this now. I'm sure you you knew what was going on because I'm sure your sources were good. People were feeding you information all over the place. Yeah, I went to a wedding. I went to Richard Tuttle's wedding, and I might have had a whoopsie in a press car on the way there. Quite a large whoopsie. And and you wrote another spoof news story about Autocar magazine. And at the bottom, you just asterisked it. And you just said, in, in italics, you wrote, unless your road test editor fails to make it to the handling day because you wrote off the Maserati or something. Did you, Yeah, you did. It was right at the bottom. What there. a so, sneaky bugger I so was. So someone, and I remember reading it and thought, oh, I thought I got away with that. Because I did, I, I did spank a Maserati on the way to... That was, it was a Maserati, wasn't it? It was a Maserati. Sorry about that, Maserati. How did you get to the wedding? Um... I turned up on late a horse of shame. <laughs> I turned up in a taxi. This is before Uber, and the wedding was in rural Dorset. The Maserati was no longer serviceable. So, <laughs> what was it? A thirty-two hundred. It G- was a forty-two hundred GT past tense, and I had to go to the wedding. And Tutsi's mummy, who's a lovely woman, knows how useless I am anyway. I was in charge of car parking. So, <laughs> as, as an usher at the wedding so I turned up as everyone walked into the church it was a proper fuck 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 four weddings and a funeral moment it was just ridiculous a beautiful wedding and I, I turned up late and now everyone knew I'd crashed the car so I turned up late the motor journalist just had a crash in the car um, uh, I hastened to add it wasn't bad and I 
don't think I was entirely to blame. And um, anyhow, I sat at the back. Having not discharged any of my duties, being glared at by the family for being useless, they knew I was going to be useless. And I, I got the feeling as I was being useless that there'd been a discussion that had preempted this somewhere in their house. Don't let him do anything because he's <laughs> crap at life. And I just basically confirmed all of their suspicions. And anyway, I sat at the back next to this guy called Toby, who I've seen a few times since. He's a nice guy. Nice guy. And um, we're in both in uh, penguin suits. And he leans over to me during the service because I was shuffling at the back. And he says, are you the guy that crashed the car? And I said, yes, I am. I kept my head down. And he said, don't worry, some of us are worse off. And I went, why? He said, I forgot the trousers to my morning suit, so I have had to wear my wife's jeans. And, he said, <laughs> <laughs> and I looked down, and the last turkey in the shop was sort of wedged up against the side of his jeans. <laughs> Um, yeah. so do, do journalists always blame uh, something else oh, yeah. for, well, a whoops, well, for a whoopsie? They're as like Chris, racing drivers. Because I, mean, I did read, um, or I, I was listening to something with yourself, Richard, and uh, I think your early days, I think you borrowed an Audi yeah, TT press I, car yeah, and yeah. wrapped it around a roundabout. And, yeah, and I, then they I, did some chassis changes and that, they was, did. that was Audi's fault. I was vindicated. They did two things, actually, that vindicated me on that one. First of all, Audi recalled the car because it had dangerous handling. And, and I like to think that, I was in the that, vanguard that, that discovering that. That made all the difference. Yeah. And uh, also the roundabout, very big roundabout underneath the motorway junction. Uh, and the car, what unsettled the car was there was a sort of fissure in the road where, you know, the gap between the, when the tarmac lane machine goes round... And uh, they resurfaced it shortly afterwards as well. They did. So it was the car and the roundabout. And the road. It was yeah. And I was so I felt. You're vindicated. not even. You're not even joking. Oh, you genuinely believe this? <laughs> <laughs> no, because the truth is, do you know what? As well, I made the biggest mistake when I when I rolled. It it, 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 it well, flipped around twice, and yeah. then it hit the curb of the roundabout and it and it flipped over twice. And uh, oh, sorry, you rolled a TT. Yeah, twice. Christ alive! Were you all right? No, no he, no, he was. He was. <laughs> no, it's fine. I was fine. You were okay yourself. Yeah. My, yeah. So my, what happened was um, no he was highly protected by the baseball glove. Why did I know this? Trim. All the, all this time I when you're taking this. the piss out of me for being Troy Queef, <laughs> and, and I didn't know that you'd rolled a TT. I'm looking yeah. for ammunition. So it was when would that have been? 98, 99. Whenever the TT came out, and you remember when that car came out, it was quite sensational. You know, it's yeah. easy now. We just their TTs. They're everywhere. You, no, no, they, it was stunning. It was a concept car that suddenly you could buy. Yeah. And that was amazing. So one was delivered. One of the first ones in the UK was delivered to the old Top Gear office, which is where I was working, my first job, my first proper job, in telly. And it was for our producer, our series producer, Chris, who's still a mate of mine to this day, amazingly. But he uh, was out on a shoot. And this TT turned up. And I remember we all went out to the car park to look at it, which didn't normally happen with press cars, you know, unless it was something particularly amazing. And this was particularly amazing. We went out to the car park. We all poured over it. That was it. End of the day, Chris had come there was back. A bit spotty, grumbling, going, "It's just a golf underneath." Please tell it was me. Probably something. me though, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> spotty pedant. That sounds like check. Uh, so yeah, at the end of the day, Chris still wasn't back, and I thought, "Aye, aye." So I rang him and I went, "Are you coming back into the office?" No, no, I'm still on the shoot. We're not going to wrap up till over ages. Yeah, I was like, "Can I take that TT home for the night?" And he went, "Yeah, all right, but bring it back tomorrow morning because I'm going away for the weekend." And he was taking his then girlfriend away for a sort of romantic weekend in this swanky new car to the countryside. And 
uh, yeah, he's quite emphatic that I had to bring it back in one piece. And what I actually did was I, I got home and one of my housemates at the time, Hemel, was quite into his cars. And he went, can we go out in it? I went, yeah, no worries. Let's do it. And we went ragging off. And I made the biggest mistake you can possibly make. Just as we came onto this roundabout at some lick, I went, of course, it's four-wheel drive, you see, so it's got loads of grip. And then I lost control and crashed it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. So yeah, yeah we I, rolled I, over I, twice. I, Hemel headbutted me in the face as we rolled as well. So I ended up my, my only injury was uh, was two black eyes. But then uh, this guy in a, a Rover two hundred. It's amazing things you remember. But a guy in a Rover two hundred pulled over and went, "Oh my god, he'd seen it happen." He went, "Are you okay?" And I went, I, "I think so." And I saw my career flashing before my eyes. I've had that quite a few times. Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It's a that's, weird feeling, isn't a, it? That's a series, separate series of podcasts. <laughs> 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 but then they, they, this guy went because uh, uh, Hamill had gashed all his arm open on, on a bit of the interior trim and he was bleeding quite a lot and it looked worse than it was uh, and this guy went I'm going to call an ambulance we went, no, we'll be okay and he went no I'm calling an ambulance ambulance turned up like that and then they took me into the back of the ambulance they went are you okay I said yeah I just banged my head think I got head butted and they went, How, how's your vision and I went it's oh my god it's blurry it's blurry my vision's blurry my, oh wait my glasses have come off <laughs> And then they, they said, well, that's fine, we're going to take you to hospital, we're going to... And I, I had to go, no, I need to get my glasses, which I presume were in the wreckage somewhere. And they went, no, there's no time, you must come to hospital. And they scanned my head. But the worst thing is, I went into one of those tunnel things, they scanned my head, then they, they, they just left me lying there on this, on this thing next to this big buzzing machine, in the room, on my own. For With what? blurry vision. Yeah, which felt like for about half an hour. And I thought, I know what's happening here. They're working out how to come back in and break it to me. I've got, like, massive brain damage or something, or there's a big blood clot on my brain. And then they just came back in and went, no, you're fine. <laughs> here are your glasses. And then I thought... Uh, well, no, I had to go and get my glasses the next day from the garage that had recovered the wreckage. <laughs> I, went, I rocked up with the guy who was in the car with me and uh, I went, hello, um, I did that to that car over there. And it was, I hadn't really, in the cold light of day as well, how absolutely spanned it was. It was really crumpled. So it wasn't coming back? No. No. The best thing that happened in terms of... Was it a lefty? Was it a, was it a no, lefty? No, no, it was a righty. It was right. one of the first righty ones, I guess. And uh, What, 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 what? When you call the manufacturer the next day to say, mm. um, put a car in the ditch at the weekend, uh, sorry, how does that normally play it's out? It's a phone call I never like making. Um, you normally make it though, do you? You don't, uh, you don't, you, yeah, you pass don't pass it on to the assistant. You don't, you don't, no, you don't. Yeah, you, have to, so you have to make the phone call yourself <laughs> as the adult normally. I, I've, I've not had to make many. I'm no, quite I, I, when I did the Audi one, I remember this. I can't remember who it was, but it, it was a lady who was in charge of PR, I guess, at that point. And I can't remember her name, but I called was it Janet her. Mills then? No, it wasn't. It was I, I, anyway. I, I rang whoever was sort of yeah. the ranking officer at that point at, at Audi Press, and I said, "I'm. Uh, we've got a TT off you at the moment. I'm afraid I've had a bit of an accident in it." And she went, "Oh my goodness, are you okay?" And I yeah. thought, "This is a good sign." <laughs> this is a good sign. And I went, "Yeah, I, I'm. I'm fine, but um, the car is." Because I've had the same good. with um, someone I know was dri- was driving a, an Audi. It had a massive stack with a couple of kids in it. Oh. And the first question wasn't, how are they? It was, how's the car? Oh. And I, that was the other way around. I just thought, don't like that. I think whatever, whatever happens, it's just a bit of metal, isn't it, really? Yeah. You've got to make sure the occupants are all right. Yeah. And then you can start worrying about the car afterwards. Yeah. The, um, when I bend the TT, Audi were really good about it, um, it was, which was, you know, it was obviously a huge relief. My producer, on the other hand, was extremely cross about it. Who was, who was the producer? 
Uh, so he's a guy, he was serious, our series producer, a guy called Chris Richards, uh, yeah. who now... I'd say, yeah, you mentioned yeah. He is, uh, he's now uh, one of the brilliant people behind uh, Travel Man. Okay. And he's still a friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> you'd like him. He's, he's, he used to race an old Formula Ford. Got an Elise now as his fun car. He's one of us. But he was quite cross at the time with me. You just have to, It just causes grief, doesn't it? Because the yin, the yin and the yang of our industry is that you, I've always felt you earn the right to be a bit cheeky. You earn the right to be rude. If the product's there to have the mickey taken out of it, you can do that. If, if, um, if you barrel roll something, however hardened and independent you are, it probably makes it more difficult to be rude about their next car. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not saying I've done that actively, but I think subliminally, it's yes. difficult not to get yourself well, in that position. Well, it's just basic human decency because it feels rude. And I, I, a great example for me was I borrowed, um, when Infinity launched themselves here, and I borrowed one of their cars, the one, the sort of three series size one. And it was a You can't even car. remember what it was called. No, I can't. I honestly can't. Their cars. Just pick a number and a couple of letters all the way around. It was one of those. It was, it was just not a good car. But I held back from giving it a good kicking because when it was delivered they pushed the keys through my letterbox and my dog ate them (laughs) (laughs) and that is an embarrassing conversation to have thing is it was keyless so what happened was my wife rang me i was in the top gear office and and my wife rang me she went uh you that car you said was being delivered it's it's turned up i was like all right great yeah yeah, the keys come through the letterbox she went yeah uh the dog's eating them and i was like no, come on, seriously. She went, no, the dog has eaten the keys. And my first thought was the dog. Hold on a second, so the, eaten. it's keyless, the car was keyless. It's keyless, and I thought the, the, they've so gone into the dog. I can just hold the dog in the just car. Take the dog to as the long the as, car. as the dog comes with me everywhere, this is fine. But no, what she'd actually done was chewed up the key it's fob out, yeah. and spat it out. So it's circuit boards and, and oh, bits it's and pieces. It's easier to digest that way. Brilliant. Well, <laughs> it seemed like most of it hadn't gone into the dog, including the battery, because that would have probably been quite yeah. bad. But then I did sort of try and reassemble it and hold it near the car. No dice. But then, you know, those modern keyless things, they have the, the physical key hidden inside. So yeah. I took that. I was able to open the, the lock on the outside. But then there's no ignition inside. And then the car flipped out because it thought it was being stolen. And the alarm went off. And there's no way to turn it off again. It was a nightmare. And I had to ring Infinity and go, I know this is going to sound ridiculous, but my dog's eating your key. And they, they, and it was just before Christmas as well, I think. So they were all closing down to go away, and they had to try and get the spare to me, <laughs> which they did. I then drove the car. Oh, I shouldn't admit this, but oh, screw it. They're, they're, they're going out of business, aren't they? They're not. They're leaving the UK. So they're <laughs> away with the knowledge that this car is now somewhere in the dealer network, or because I can't imagine it's been sold, even though this was four or five years ago but uh so that was that was the first thing that happened then i managed to um dent the inside of the door shut just slightly moving a heavy object out of the back seat that i hadn't had a long story but basically i screwed up there and i was like oh no and then on christmas day went up to see my brother and his wife and as we left i was driving so i was i was stone cold sober just wanted to get home so maybe i could have a beer on christmas evening and my sister-in-law gave us a bag of leftover things, including, um, for some reason, half a tub of cream that we'd had for a Christmas pud, I guess, which leaked and went through the, and leaked on the back seat. So that when we got home, and I just wanted to get inside, 
there's a well of, in the seat that's just full of cream. Brandy cream. <laughs> and as we know, you know, dairy products leaked in a car, that's just terrible. So then, of course, I've got to spend half an hour sort of trying to drown it out with water and mop it up. And, and I, all the time I'm wearing a jocular Christmas jumper, <laughs> but feeling very unjocular. And then I wrote about that car and I kind of went, well, you know, I mean, they're new. It's a long way to go, isn't it? Because I was thinking, I want to go. It's absolute dog shit. It's got terrible steering. But unfortunately, I've both destroyed the keys and made it stink for so be a bit, bit less horrible about it. No, and you, also, have you done something wrong that Christmas for that to be your Christmas car? Because I hate to say it, in the old days, editorial office, if you wanted to see the real hierarchy of the office, Christmas cars, who yes. got what? Yes. And if you got an infinity, whatever it was called, you must have done something. Had you pissed in I, Jeremy's tea or something? No, because we didn't run that kind of thing at Top Gear on the telly show. There was no... I, as a freelance journalist, I used to sometimes borrow cars for Christmas, yeah. but... I would just sort, I think it was just, you know, I was running through the list of cars that I thought I should borrow because I used to be a bit more diligent and try and drive so, new Yeah, stuff. I really miss that. I I used to, you now, could walk really. into the office and just say, I haven't driven a, you know, a, a, a Toyota Aris. I don't want to, yeah. but I haven't driven one and therefore it's a hole in my knowledge. I want to drive one again. Whereas now, there's no reason why I'd ever book one in. I just remembered something. And actually, this relates to something you've been trying to do, but on the Top Gear TV show years ago, way early days, so 2003, um, Andy Wilman, our exec producer, and uh, a guy called Gary Hunter, who was the, uh, or he was the exec and Gary was the, uh, and, and Andy was the series producer and I, and I was the script editor and we were sort of, so kind of three of the sort of more senior people in the office were allowed to book press cars and we, we used to book in cars all the time and we decided, the three of us, what we should do is look at categories of cars so say Astra-sized cars. And it's like, yeah. okay, Gary, you book in an Astra, I'll book in a Focus, Andy book in a Golf, and then we'll go around and we'll do I-30 and we'll do whatever Nissan's making and so on. And you know, so we'll try and get all of the, the main players in one segment of car that one of us will have driven them. We'll compare notes. We'll make it a feature on the show where we'll just do one of those kind of, right, okay, you're thinking of buying one of these size cars. Here's what we think. Richard, you've not been listening in some of our script meetings. Have you been chance? Really? Well, anyway, what <laughs> happened is... We kind of just lost the will to live doing it. I stayed on. I remember once going to all the way to like Cadwell Park in an Avensis because we were doing medium-sized salutes <laughs> and just going, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? But I stuck at it. Gary, who just liked booking in really flash stuff because he wasn't a car guy. He's just a BBC bloke who'd gone, what? I can have nice cars now because I do Top Gear. He just basically gave up. I think I saw him once and he, he turned up at a shoot and he was in an S-class coupe and I was like, aren't we supposed to be doing super minis this week? He was like, oh, I couldn't be bothered. So with that idea just went west because, yeah, the other two just went, oh, I can't be arsed with this. I always thought that, that one of the cleverest strategies that you guys devised back in the day with Top Gear was that, you know, you, you accepted the fact that ordinary cars are just boring. So that they needed an idea around them and so yeah. really, if you're, gonna, if you're going to review the... Ignis, you've got to play football with it, you know, you, whatever you do, you, you need to find a stunt yeah. because people will not tolerate seven minutes on a Vauxhall Astra. They just won't. We had a great moment once where there was a guy called Joe Jacuzzi, fantastic name, and he genuinely is part of the Jacuzzi dynasty who invented you know, the Jacuzzi. And he uh, was the head of communications at Vauxhall for a while, an American guy, and uh, he, was, he, he did comms here. Came in with his deputy, a guy called Dennis Chick, who you yeah. remember, who's retired now. And Dennis ran through, as car companies used to come in and see us, as I guess they did at Autocar, would sort of go, we just wanted to come and see you and tell you what we've got coming up yeah. so that you're aware, if you're planning for the future, what you might want to book in, which, you know, with someone like Vauxhall was a bit where we had to sort of smile politely and go, yeah, that all sounds great. <laughs> and 
Dennis did the, the big presentation. Okay, this is, this is big news for us this year. And the biggest news, of course, is the new insignia. It's going to be really big for us. This is going to be, you know, it's new, new, new car. And, and it went through this whole spiel. And we sat there and listened politely. And at the end of it, Joe Jacuzzi, the man who's just done the presentation's boss, just goes, let me tell you something. I don't want to see an insignia on Top Gear. That would bore the ass off me. <laughs> <laughs> and you could see... Dennis Chick just sitting there going, oh, what have I just wasted my time doing? And this guy, he was a massive fan of the show. And he went, listen, I, I watch this show with my kids. I don't want to see an insignia on the show. I want to see shit blowing up. Not <laughs> and he basically just told us not to book his company's flagship new product that was coming out. And I thought, well, this you, guy's fantastic. You just just the, the, the go back to the press car delivery. Reminded me of my favourite ever press car delivery, which was to the house I lived in in, in, uh, in Wales. So I, I do you remember back in the day with the big Daimler Chrysler merger. Yeah, they started selling Dodge Rams in the UK. So you could buy a Dodge Did Ram, they? yeah, fifteen yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. as a UK warranted vehicle. It was a left, it was a lefty. They weren't converted. God, I don't remember that. And they yeah. had one on the press fleet, right? And I thought, well, I'll get this thing in because I got to do a bit of wooding over the weekend. I have it in the field and mess around with it, do what I do. So I, I booked it in, and. Um, it was supposed to arrive whatever time, and it arrived about half an hour late, which is fine. Doesn't matter. Guy knocks on the door, and he's flustered. This guy is flustered, and he goes, "I've got the vehicle outside," and he he said, "Can I just leave you the keys?" I thought, "Oh, I'd just like to come and have a quick look at it." Um, so we walked out, and he was just mortified as we walked towards it, and the uh, right hand side wing mirror was just obliterated. Uh. There was a stump left. It's left hand drive, so clearly he's been driving along in the middle of the road and he's just hit something and he just he, he just says to me look I'm, I'm afraid I was driving down and there's a bus being driven in a very antisocial manner he's <laughs> all over the road and he's just hit me and I, I, I know I really I can't take responsibility for it and I thought well I, I can't because I've never driven the vehicle so I can't be responsible <laughs> for the wing mirror the that you've clearly taken off because you've not driven a left hand drive car before anyhow he says um uh, so, so if I just give you the keys, that's fine, isn't it? I went, no, it's, it's, it's really not. And actually, lo- looking at it, you've dented the door as well. So I think you better just take it back because I, I don't really want that. Um, and he said, um, he said, well, uh, uh, no, no, I really need to leave it. And he was about to just walk off down the lane. And I said, well, can you at least just park it up? And he went, you could tell. I, I, that, that was where I was being a bit cruel. You could tell he never ever wanted to see this fucking vehicle ever again. <laughs> and um, he, uh, so he got in it. And he just, he was so, by this stage, I think he'd lost it completely. And there's a barn opposite me that doesn't belong to me. Um, and he got in it, stuck it in reverse and fired it at considerable speed straight into the side of the barn. <laughs> and took, took out the bumper, the tailgate and the left rear wing. So, so now two corners of the vehicle are, are properly in trouble. And, um, and then he, he just basically just sat there with his head in his hands, just broken. And I, I didn't know what to say. I'm really sorry and I want to help you here. Do you want to come and but, help me with some pudding? No, I just said, but you really have to go now. <laughs> you have to take your Dodge and leave. And I never, I never drove it. They just took it back. Oh, okay. Do you know, I discovered, though, for modern cars, the door mirrors come off quite easily. I think for pedestrian yeah, safety reasons. Yeah, they do, reasons. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we had, do you remember that Megan, the sort of the, the big bum Megan? Yeah, yeah. We were going to do a big thing on that on Top Gear, and they they sent us a pre-production one, uh, right-hand drive, but it was it was pre-prod, and uh, just so we could have a go in, it, I think, and look at it and decide what we're going to do. And I took it home, dark night, 
street where I used to live was very narrow. You can hear the excuses <laughs> building up here. Skip sticking out, and I was busy looking for parking space, looking the other way, and just dunk clipped the skip at not very high speed at all, like sort of five miles an hour or something. And the door mirror just on the passenger side just went boom and came off. So I stopped and picked it up and threw it in the boot. And then, but I had to ring. There was a guy who was the PR guy at Renault at that point who was very, very dry indeed. And so I rang him and went, and bear in mind, this is like the first right hand drive McGann in the country. So they kind of wanted it back uh, in one piece. And I had to ring him and go, uh, I'm really sorry I've knocked the, the door mirror off. I'm so sorry. It was, a, it was an accident. I didn't mean to do it. And he went, and where is the mirror? And I went, it's, it's, it's in the boot. And he went, hmm. It's not doing much good there, is it? Oh! And yeah, there was there was no sympathy at all. Which was, I you know, it was a stupid mistake. That's that, I, I can't think of any. I, I don't think I've ever damaged another press car. That's it. I wrote off an Audi and I knocked the door mirror off a Renault McGann, and that's I think it. Touch wood. And now, with no sense of irony, I'm going to say on on that bombshell, uh, we are going to end the first half of the podcast. Um, go and have a cup of tea uh, and maybe a little comfort break, maybe a slice of cake. And we'll see you afterwards. Cheers. Collecting cars. The safe, smart and simple way to buy and sell collectible cars. An online auction platform for the UK and Europe. Follow us on Instagram at CollectingCars and also CollectingCars.com. The CollectingCars.com podcast with Chris Harris and Edward Lovett. Welcome back to part two of this Collecting Cars podcast with Edward Lovett. That's at Edward Lovett and Richard Porter, who is at Sniff Petrol. And I love the fact that he's at Sniff underscore Petrol on Instagram because that means no one's ever going to find him. I'm just looking at the January 1988 edition of Car Magazine that I bought in and a group test which just says, Gentlemen Racers. MG Montego Turbo versus Alpha 75 Twin Spark versus Citroen BX19 GTI 16 Valve. I mean, these are the cars of our dreams, right? I would have all three, probably at the same time. So one, <laughs> one of them was working. Okay, say, say you had all three yeah. in your garage ready to go. Yeah. What, what occasions would you reserve for each vehicle? So for the Montego, how, how would you deploy the Montego? I feel like the Montego would be my go-to everyday one. Okay, uh, interesting. So what would, be, what would be the one that you'd take the lady to the country retreat in? <laughs> There's not a lady alive that would want to. <laughs> my wife would just be like, what? <laughs> what have you done? Can you imagine? Where is the nice car you used to have? <laughs> We're going to Babington House. <laughs> I think you could get away with the Alpha to Babington. That is the one I'd probably take. The BX. You just have to park it on the street and walk down the drive. <laughs> but the Alpha has got that because it's an Alpha. I mean, it's not the prettiest Alpha, but because it's an Alpha, I think you could get away with that kind not of. What's the prettiest? Alpha. All right, fairly far down the list of pretty Alphas. Um, but it does have that kind of. Oh well, look, he's got an Italian car. What a what I bet he likes opera as well. What a cultured man he is. Whereas the BX, it's like oh. A, a French farm worker has turned up for some reason here. I once got almost smoked in, in France by a Citroen BX, not a GTI, but just a normal BX, winding country road. And, and as, as I sort of came onto the infrequent straights in a, a Clio hire car that I was properly thrapping, could see this BX, and it, it was getting closer and closer and closer. 
And then finally, I turned into the, the place where we were staying. And as I did, by this point, the BX was right at my ass. And as I turned in, I noticed as it went by, it had a little trailer on the back as well. <laughs> and it was being driven by this 112-year-old man who had like one of those brilliant French farmer faces, like a sort of deflated basketball and a little black cap on as well. Yeah, they, was, like, they all look like Yoda and they drive like Alan Ploss, Incredible, they? yeah. I think he probably had a tab on as well because, well, he would, wouldn't he? But a, a BX on a, on a really bumpy French... D road is yes. unbeatable. I'm just looking at. I'll put this down in a minute because there's nothing like reading a magazine on a podcast because you guys can't see it. Can you? <laughs> but the Alpha Seventy Five's interior was always a piece of wonder to me because as a kid I'd read the magazine because I didn't know anyone that had an Alpha Seventy Five because most of my parents' friends were sane. And um, and the handbrake had that sort of. It was a it was a complete bar. Wasn't it was it? It went round yeah, the, the yeah. U shape that went round the glove box, mm. and the electric window switches were in the roof. Yes. <laughs> Because that makes sense. What were they thinking? Anyhow, now, on to far more um, important matters. Now, what? More important than the MG Montego and the Citroën. I'll rephrase that. <laughs> on to newer car matters, because nothing's more important than... The Montego did 127 miles an hour, I just noticed. And have not you, to 123 and a half Have seconds. you ever driven a Montego? Yes. I've driven a Mon- the, the one I liked, and I can admit this in public, was they did the, the Countryman Estate with the diesel engine was a really good car. They were they were cracking. Now I drove a Montego Turbo, yeah, and it was shit. We did a thing. Sorry, I keep banging on about Top Gear, like some kind of terrible old fart. Were, were you were, so you were a part of Top Gear? I did work on Top Gear. Funny <laughs> okay. enough, I've only just mentioned it once or twice. But uh, we did a thing years ago where we oh they, the presenters built their own ambulances, and we went down to this old army base down in Kent to do this big sequence because it had like rows of houses, a training range, so houses and buildings and stuff like that. And we could just muck around as much as we wanted, but we wanted to dress some of the streets with cars. So someone just went to a scrappy basically and bought about 10, 15 cars. And they all came off the transporter, and most of them were dead. No. And they looked quite new, like sort of Peugeots and Renaults and things like that, and they'd been killed by ECU fritzes and stuff like that. Yeah. So they were great for dressing the or street. Or scrappage. Maybe it was scrappage as well, was it? That sort of time no, I think it was pre-scrappage. But uh, our producer went down to set all this up, discovered with delight that one of the cars that came off the transporter started and ran and ran well, and it was a Montego Countryman, two-litre petrol. Oh, come on. And it became diesel, our sight hack. No, that 2-litre O-series has a lusty engine. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it pulled. It pulled. And the gear change had a beautiful gear change on it. And, and we used it as our sight hack. Richard. And I started fighting R- Richard, other people stop, for the keys. stop, stop. Let your trousers calm down. <laughs> <laughs> it, there was nothing beautiful about that gear change. Um... Got, I remember I was driving. I, in fact, I, first of all, I was driving Clarkson around it, and he just, without me saying anything, he went, You really like this car, don't you? In a sort of slightly despairing way. And then James and I got in, and James was so excited about it that we ended up, because we found out it was also it was still taxed, I think, or we'd put taxed. I can't we, we drove, we went out of the base to go to the naffy to buy James some cigarettes. And James drove it. And I was going, James, isn't the gear change lovely? And he went, oh, yes, it's got quite good steering. And, like, <laughs> and I was thinking, we are strange men. But it was but, a lovely car. We liked it so much. And so many people on our team it grew weirdly attached to this scruffy... So did it get back to Dunsfold? We wanted to bring it back to Dunsfold to have it as the site hack there. And unfortunately, someone forgot to say to the guy, the scrappy, <gasps> coming back to get them... Don't take the Montego. Did it get crushed? It got crushed, yeah. yeah. For, for those that have subscribed to the Collecting Cars podcast because of uh, meeting the man that sold McLaren F1s new, I'm sorry we've had to drag <laughs> on someone who drove Renault Montego's was, new. Uh, we will <laughs> reinstate some sort of norm. I told you, it's a, ours is a broad church. Now, recently, if, you, if you've um, either followed myself or... 
uh, Richard on Twitter. He's at Sniff Petrol. Um, you might have noticed that we, we disagreed about a new vehicle that I drove last week. Um, uh, he was obviously wrong, uh, but I'm going to give him his chance to try and support his weird argument now. There's a new Toyota Supra that's just um, been launched, and I drove it last week, uh, and I thought it was one of the most confusing cars I've ever driven because I, I've, I've never driven something that was supposed to feel so deliberately Japanese and, and, and have a car feel so German. And, and I, I, for me, cars have to have a personality, uh, particularly cars that are halo figures and are there ostensibly to kind of promote a brand's DNA around the globe. And if you're going to do that, I think it kind of needs to reflect what you want your car company to be. And if that is just rebodying someone else's work, I'm not sure that's a great idea. Anyhow, um, Richard's standpoint, which he will now tell you about, is rather different. Well, so this started because you said on Twitter, I forget your exact opening gambit to this. Oh, I think you were addressing all other car journalists. This this started because you said... <laughs> yeah. Mum, this is doing that thing again. Uh, you said to all of the car journalists, I, I, I can't remember how you expressed it, but basically you were saying, just remember it's a BMW underneath, or something like that, weren't you? No, I did the other round. I said, just, 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 go and, just go and drive it, and don't listen to what they say to you. That's what I said. Because okay. there, was, there was a lot of Jedi mind tricks going on. They, they rolled oh, out the engineer it, yeah. to, give you the, to give you the full story about mm-hmm. how they, you know, from 2012, they've been developing this car together, and, and that really, there's a bit of Jack and Ori in there. Uh, I'm sure there is, but my contention was, and this was off, also off the back, because I was already a bit narky about all this, because I'd read some of the reviews that morning before I'd seen you on Twitter, and I'd seen at least two uh, reports on it that had, they just, they were written by car journalists, it felt for car journalists, because they were going... Down, what the, the, the worst thing about the Supra is you'll notice immediately all the BMW switch gear. And I sort of thought, well, you will if you're a car journalist because you've just had an M4 long term and you probably drove to Heathrow in an X3 or something. You'll notice that because you're constantly driving BMWs. Someone who is chopping in, I don't know, let's say a Boxster or something, probably they'll be aware because it is a car person's car. They'll be aware it's BMW switches. But you don't think it's a problem? I, I think if they could they could do it properly it would be great because it i know what you mean see the thing is i do conversely i thought it was a mistake that aston martins of the last generation all had volvo electric window switches and electric mirror controls and all that sort of stuff well, and the, i know it sounds the, the mirror to, the mirror talk was actually quite was pleasing like, yeah yeah but the reason that was wrong or at least it, it, it undermined the appeal of those cars for their target audiences someone who's buying a db9 i can guarantee that a large percentage of those will also have an XC90 as their family car. Yeah. And they'll go, oh, oh, it's got, right, it's got the same controls as our family bus. That's a bit disappointing. That's where bits sharing can come undone. The Supra, it's not about how the aircon controls work. It's about how it drives. And I do believe Toyota's Jack and Ori about they tuned it. I mean, I haven't driven it, obviously. I haven't driven the Z4 yeah, as well. I, I, I gather they feel quite different. I can't think of a car that feels more BMW in the way that it sounds or drives. But, but you, is that a problem? I, I, think, I think if you're dealing with an Auris or you're dealing with a Celica, it's not a problem at all. I totally, I totally understand you know, the modern economic prerogative of the car industry, that you've got to share bits. And also that so much is homogenised anyway. Realistically now, when you start designing a new car, you go to the same, you all go to Bosch, you all go to Michelin, you get the same black boxes. Uh, You know, you're increasingly dealing with a homogenised 
product. But I think that if, if you're dealing with your Halo sports car, you know, the thing that's supposed to be um, perhaps your last ever internal combustion engine sports car, I thought I thought you might do a bit more with it rather than mm. just rebody a BMW. And it really is. I, I just, when you look inside it, you think, you couldn't even ask to change that bit. Now, I, of course, again, I've been a bit impish in the story I've written because you, I want to poke some fun at it. And the reality is, of course, if you the infrastructure of a modern car comes as a package, doesn't it? Once yeah. you've bought the, once you've bought that's, you know, once you've bought the dashboard, you can't play with anything because it it'll it'll make some sensor go off, and that means it will be inoperable. So you've got to have iDrive or yeah. Monkey Drive, whatever you used to call it on Sniff Petrol. And remember Monkey Drive. Did, oh no, Monkeytronic. Monkeytronic, that was it. And, yeah, um, Monkey came out of the glove box. So and I think the buttons for I, I get all that. And to come back to your point about switch gear, I had this brought home to me brilliantly by do you remember Harry Carlton, who was the guy that used to do the, yes. the yeah. PR for Aston Martin. He yeah. was Ford's man, and then he went. He sort of went. He, he did his dotage at um, Aston Martin. He mm. turned up. The first test car I ever had from them was a DB9, and um, I was young and stupid. I'm now old and stupid, but I was pretty stupid then. And he turned up, and he obviously took a fairly dim view of the strategically shaved chimp that had come to collect the car from him. He just thought, well, good God, what's happened to the industry? They let people like him in the door. And he handed over the car, and I said... He, and in those days, you got given the Ford the key, Ford key. Yeah. and it didn't even have the plipper on it. It was just the thin... It was the spare key. Yeah, Remember, yeah. it wasn't even yeah. the nice key. Yeah. And I looked at it and went... Ugh. And then I sort of turned it on, and, and you immediately had a load of Mondeo switch gear straight next to you. And that I, wasn't DB9, though. that was DB7, wasn't it? Was sorry, sort of you're right, DB7, sorry, it was a DB7, DB7. And, um, and I turned it on, and I made some comment about the Ford switchgear. And he leant in and said, what you're forgetting is most of our customers have never sat in a Ford. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't wrong. No. So your point about the XC90 and a modern Aston Martin stands. I just, I, I suppose the other thing about the Supra that I find very disappointing, that as a statement of health, as a statement of the broader health of the industry that we all love, because we do agree on that, we love cars. Mm. When a trillion dollar organisation, the second largest car company in the world, can't make its own sports car and has to roll out a rebodied BMW with a with a really nice story with it, I just think it's a bit sad, and I just, I just, I, I just, yeah, I think they could do better. Yeah, but they're a trillion better. dollar company for a reason. Yeah, they don't, they don't, you know, they don't write a lot of checks if they don't have to. And I also think, I think, the cars that it's competing against. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Weirdly, and I think, I think in, 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 difficultly, if that's even a word, for, for, for Toyota, 
are dripping with character. You know, the Alpine is is a is a brilliant piece of reinvention. The the, the little Alpine A one. Yeah, it's a cracking car. Isn't it? Um, Although I drove, I I wrote a column about this in Evo because I had booked one in, forgetting it was due to come the week I was having a vasectomy, and it's a painful car to drive if you just had your knackers snipped and I wrote a whole column about this and it's got the best reaction of any column I've written for years people loved it it was a, it was a very in fairness it was a very good column uh, but the, the, I just thought oh god I hope I don't die next week because that'll just everyone will just remember oh he's the guy who wrote yeah, that column tough. about having his the epitaph cut when then driving a sports I used to hate writing a, uh, we used to we, we, were, we were fellow columnists for how long a couple of years uh, yeah I guess so in Evo yeah that was one of the toughest gigs of my life being a columnist next to him because he's on, he's on his game this one and I used to used to open the issue of the magazine and read his column and go oh bollocks he's nailed I, I probably did used to put more effort in those days because I remember uh, I, was, I was staying somewhere where there was a copy of Evo had been left an old copy and, and I, I was thumbing through it and I, it was it was one of my columns and it was from when I'd first been given that column and, and I read it and went oh my god I used to put effort in this is like <laughs> It just feels like I've sort of redone it a few times and made it proper, and it's like God, just because you know that thing. Anyone who's ever had to work to you know to, to anything where you're getting stuff in print, the deadline is always yesterday, and you suddenly go, "Oh no, I haven't done my column." And now a lot of magazines have gone to thirteen issues a year. It feels like it is sort of every every other Seems day you're weekly, being asked for something, yeah. yeah. And, and, and there's always that sense of panic. Now I'm basically sitting on my bottom not doing anything at the moment. My Evo column should get a bit better again because I've got more time to do <laughs> No, so, so I'm going to drive a Supra again tomorrow. Oh, are I you? Think, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's, it's good to drive. Well, this is my question. Is it good to drive? Is it good fun? It's, it's not what I call out-and-out out fun. It's not fun in the way that the, the Alpine is because the, Alpine, the Alpine's trick is that it's, it's a delight at low speed. You mm. don't have to be going very fast at all for it to feel different to a normal car. That's what I love about yeah, it. Yeah, I like that way that it goes over bumps at low speed because you can sense how light it is. It, do- yeah. it doesn't sort of thud into bumps with a sheer mass. Got, it just sort of skips. It's, it's got lovely wheel travel, so you can feel yeah. it kind of, you know, to use that Lotus phrase, breathing with the road. It's, yeah, it's yeah. lovely. Um, and it doesn't do that, obviously. And it just feels, the DNA of the chassis feels very BMW. I mean, if you, if you drive a lot of BMWs, you, you get used to the way a normal BMW feels and an M car feels. Now, to me, normally, a, a, a sort of a rear-engine BMW product that's supposed to be quite fast but doesn't have an M badge on it is a bit disappointingly squidgy at the rear. That There's basically a sense of the bushing being quite soft and they do squirm around and move a bit on the rear axle. And the M cars tend to go too far the other way and they're a bit over they're a bit overbushed and a bit stiff on the road. And this Supra is right in the middle of that. And it, right. and it does feel very... DNA in, it, in its BMW DNA in its chassis language and the way that it steers and drives. That's not a bad thing. No, um, sorry, just to check because I know I've already lowered the tone with the Montego chat. But yeah. how nerdy do you go on this podcast? About? Oh, fully, yeah, we okay. go right in. Because yeah. I used to like. Do you remember the um, uh, the BMW 3 Series Compact? Not yeah. the first one, the second one where they put a proper the 325 T. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I have one of those. Very good. D- yeah, and that that but that had that squidge at the back end, and I remember driving one of those uh, across sort of Northamptonshire, I was going to the Evo office, and on a beautiful sunny morning and, and feeling it sort of sitting down out of bends. You know, you could really sort of then kind of slow and fast outy sort of thing. But you, as you stamped on it to go out of the bend, it sort of squatted down a bit. 
And I quite like that, that squidginess to it. I don't like that, because for me, what happens in those, in, in those sorts of BMWs, and BMWs particularly guilty of this over the years, that the initial response to your throttle input, so you, you smash the throttle, your brain wants something to happen at the back, and rather mm. than feeling that the, the sort of the tyre moves against the asphalt, you feel some rubber in the suspension compress or move, and then yeah. the tyre does something. And I don't like that squishiness oh hey that's another car that you and I don't agree about was the, the current M3 slash 4 oh, you, you, you think it's too much don't you I just thought it was it was yeah but also what I don't like about, I gather they've made it better though they have but I think the one I had I had a later one right because I drove I, dro- I drove a trade car an earlier one and it was bloody lively on the road it was definitely spikier than the one I had it's, we had one on Evo's car of the year in Scotland well a very early one they've just come out and it was so on a down road, predictable. Yeah, we the, thought there was something wrong with the cur- it. The current car mm. doesn't that die? What on the Evo car of the year? The M4. Done. No, I couldn't I'm possibly sure it say. It did. Yeah, I don't. It did. It did. I'd gone yeah. home by then. Yeah, yeah. So it definitely wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> I'd gone home by. Then. <laughs> but that, 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 um, that 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 turbocharged engine. What in, in the M4? Yeah, uh, you know it's it's not easy. To use for, no, it's got, for it's got some pretty people. savage torque delivery. Yeah, yeah. And, and you because yeah. you see, you know, you see these cars coming up, some videos coming out of cars and coffee, and them sort of bolting oh, off the road. Lord, yeah. If you see it, it's and then everyone's like, that guy can't drive, but he's just not prepared for what's about to come with no, the torque it, delivery. It's certainly, in an M3 and M4, I, I'd advise unless unless you're really on top of your game, leave yeah. the button on. Don't yeah. play. It's when they turn the button off. Yeah, yeah. Well, now there's something else that drives me slightly nuts. I'm, I wouldn't claim to be a hero driver, and I would generally leave stability controls and all of that sort of stuff on, or just to you know put it in the middle setting. I was oh, same same car of the year Evo test in the Scottish Borders. We had the four five eight Speciali, yeah, which is probably still my favourite car, or one of my favourite cars. It's absolutely fantastic thing. But the first time I drove it. Uh, Marino Franchitti was there, who I guess you know as well, don't you? And, and, yeah. and Marino, in his usual sort of... I love the fact that you've got Franchitti as well. He'll love that. Why? Franchitti? Franchitti, that's the one. Slaphead. Might be a different one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, you're going to love that, mate. Slaphead. <laughs> <laughs> but in his usual sort of excitable Marino slapheady way, he, he, he pulled up where I was standing in the Ferrari, leapt out, didn't even switch it off, and he was just like, oh, it's brilliant, it's amazing, 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 amazing. What? And he left it with it all off. Yes. I didn't know that. He just went, you've got to drive it, drive it now. And I got in it and went, okay. And I, I set off and I was like, whoa. And it was a little bit damp in some of the bits through the trees. And at one point it got a bit squirmy. And, I, and then it sort of, I was like, whoa, God, blimey. It's real. And then I realised it was all off. And I was like, oh my God, I could have died. Because, well, you know that car. It's actually a bit sort of sharp if everything's <laughs> off. Were you being a Helmsman Smith right? I was being a bit of a Tillerman. <laughs> <laughs> No, my most Tillamany thing was when uh, I then, uh, at the end of that day, I think, and it, it was a beautiful evening, and, you know, the Scottish Borders is a staggeringly beautiful part of the world, and we, we were going back to where we were staying, and I was following someone who had a, you know, one of the flinty-eyed helmsmen who was in the, in the Ferrari, and I was in the uh, F-Type R, the original rear-wheel drive one, oh, which, again, they've got good quite a lively car. Jesus and I thought, Christ. I've got this. I'll stay up with the Ferrari. And I was trying to keep up with the Ferrari, and then just, there was a moment of clarity where I suddenly went, what are you doing? Stop it. Just the calm F-type down. The F-Type R actually has a WD-40 dispenser that just drizzles yeah. oil onto the <laughs> rear tyres. <laughs> 
<laughs> what, what's going I on there? I once had a really embarrassing moment in one of those. Uh, some traffic lights on the North Circular Road in London where I uh, pulled alongside a Boxster and, uh, and I thought, time for you to go to school, my friend. <laughs> lights went green. I stamped on it and, and it, it... Did it just it, stop? Well, it just briefly lit up and then, of course, the computer went and just yes. shut everything down and the Boxster just calmly drove away at normal speed. No, they, went, they, like they, they certainly dip. lack some traction. Now... To continue part of that subject, I've, I've always wanted to ask you this, and I probably never have done when we're sober, so we'll try and get it recorded now. You, 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 you made your name satirising the motor industry and, and did it brilliantly, and that got your job on Top Gear, rightly so, and, um, and, and you know, the rest is kind of history. But where do you stand on... God, they on, say immigration or no, something. Yeah, where, where do you stand on Palestine? No. Uh, <laughs> where, because you take the mickey out of people that take driving a bit too seriously and the process of driving and, and fast cars. You, you, you've always sort of popped that balloon. And yet you've been a columnist on Evo for 18 years, which is, which is sort of... That's the Bible of, of that vernacular. It's the Bible of that of that code. So yep. so are you poacher or gamekeeper or are you just sort of in the soup somewhere making noise? <laughs> uh, I'm just an ingrate, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No one has actually asked me that before, and it's a good point. I don't, the thing is, I once after I'd started doing Sniff Petrol, I was taken to lunch by the editor of Autocar at the time. Uh, and he... And I'd done a few things about Autocar, but he quite rightly went, I get this, I get that this comes from, I don't think he used these words, but this is to paraphrase, it comes from a position of love. You couldn't satirise and parody what we do unless you were an avid reader of the magazine. And he was right. And because when I started St. Patrick's, because I'd been made unemployed, or, you know, we, in our world, you go, oh, I'm freelance now. But I was basically unemployed. And, and for the first year, probably more like two years, before I got the job on Top Gear, I, I didn't have an awful lot of work on. And I used to love just buying Autocar on a Wednesday and then going to the pub. And I'd sit in the pub and have a couple of pints and read <laughs> Autocar. And it was just, I was like, that was my happy place. And so, but then probably go home and write something really bitchy about them. So it's... It, and the same with Evo. I love Evo. And I think the thing about Evo is that Evo I can write... Cont- Evo contains almost wall-to-wall examples of the stuff that you take the piss out of. Uh, I d- well, you see, I don't think... It- I always thought Autocar was a little bit more po-faced about it. Oh, no, and-, and I agree. But Evo, Evo still contains that type of content. Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, there is, you know, the, 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 when they're getting into the minutiae of sort of tread shuffle and things like that, you sort of go, oh, give over. <laughs> Come on. Tread shuffle was always... We had all of these different sort of... Uh, Clarkson and, and May and Hammond and I always have a lot of these sort of um, things. Because we used to sit around... We, we used to record uh, the studio things for Top Gear on a Wednesday. And we'd have the fresh copy of Autocar. We still do, around. by the way, in the new Top Gear. Did you, did you stop doing that for a while? Though, the Wednesday we did. Routine, because, it's, a because, good, it's a good routine. Because Mr. Tribbiani could only be here for certain days in the <laughs> you year. Know he's not called Tribbiani. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that you call Matt LeBlanc Joey. And it's like it's <laughs> an inability to distinguish between. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, what was I saying? Oh, yes. We, no, we used to, there were various things. But what, we, we used to always, the way that we would sum up uh, the sort of po-faced helmsman attitude to car journalism was always the, with the phrase tread shuffle was the way that was like a little shorthand just someone would be reading autocar you know I, i'd just be reading it and jeremy would go 
Much talk of Dread Shuffle this week. And then we look through it for photos of the writers driving. Oh, I used to love For those. two things, oversteer face. Oversteer face. Oversteer face. And also, um, the I'm not enjoying this, which was sort of a, a spin-off of oversteer face, which you know, someone looking very serious. Yeah. And, and, and we'd go, oh, look, look at this man. He's driving someone else's £200,000 car, yeah. and he's not enjoying it at all. And, but again, it's sort of, if we hated it, and if we thought it was complete rubbish, we wouldn't even be looking at it. It's like also car is a part of, same as car magazine, you know, and you've got that old 80s, 80s car magazine there. And that was, that was pre-internet, pre-computer games and stuff. All, it was all, all we had. I was going to go to the newsagent, sky of off lessons, buy it, sit at the back of the class, and I would read it cover to cover, Ten times before the next one came out. I would go, uh, this is like a weird confessional lab, I would go to the newsagent uh, at McColl's in Wilmslow and if, if the new car magazine wasn't in when it's supposed to be, I would cycle home again and then later I would probably ring the newsagent just on the off chance it would come in again. Do That's how much I was jonesing for car Hello, magazine. do you have a copy of J.R. Hartley's Fly yeah. Fishing? <laughs> <laughs> I used to get copies of Razzle and just tuck car magazine inside so no, one, no one knew I was reading it. No, it, I, I I do the same, and I have a great affection for Autocar because I wouldn't have a job unless I'd started there. But, you know, even when I was working there, I could see that we operated on the most absurd level. And I think one of the things I've always felt you've raged against quite rightly is that car testing uniquely ignores what most people actually need from a car. Oh, yeah. And I, and I just love the absurdity of that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit like, you know, judging a hi-fi on its ability to wash your clothes you know it's, it is utterly preposterous I, I'm, I'm, the peak of it for me was around about 2004 2005 I think it was I was reading a story in Autocar and it was a Volkswagen EOS versus mm. a that god awful Focus convertible that looked like someone had just forgotten about the back of it yeah, you know they just yeah. well, we've done the front sod the back that'll do yeah. it just looked terrible and the winner was decided, the last paragraph, it was, you know, a nail-biting decision at the end. Edge of your seat, and whoever wrote it, bless them, decided it on steering feel. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, who on earth that buys one of these fucking god-awful no, cars? That, that is peak road tester hubris. But I did it, I did it. But that's the thing, but it would be, they sort of go, oh, here's the new Megan Scenic. It's a bit twitchy on the limit. <laughs> what limits? <laughs> Well, I mean, because it's not, to take your stereo uh, analogy, it's, it's, I think it's more like, it's, it's not asking the, the product to do something it's not designed to do. It's using it in such an extreme way that normal people won't. So it's sort of going, no, this stereo is good, but it doesn't work on Mars. And you go, well, who cares? You're a lunatic if you're caring about that. No, we used to, and we would just get lost. We were lost in our bubble. It was a great bubble to be in. It was probably the you know, best fun working years of my life. I used to just mm. arrive on a Monday morning, someone would give me some cash and I'd just drive to some part of the continent, behave like an arse in a small car and come back again. I, I loved it, but, but we were a bit lost in it all. Mm, um, yeah. Now, the Land Rover Defender, another vehicle that you're wrong about. Um, that was an almighty gear change there that you t- just made. Tell us, t- t- you've got one of these things and you just adore it. And I, I like, because I've got cars that I find it hard to justify as well. Um, so tell us why you love this thing. Oh, because it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know what it is? I know it's, it's, uh, this is real sound. I don't know, pretentious, or, but, but it's almost like it's a palate cleanser because I am lucky enough to drive a lot of different cars uh, in the course of my work and sometimes have to write about them. And as we know, particularly if you are talking about something like a Volkswagen EOS versus a Focus convertible, they're all broadly the same. You know, so particularly now, I think it's got worse, actually. All those SUVs, 
There's a sniff petrol story that I, I'm, I keep meaning to do. Uh, I just can't work out the construction of it, which is, which is police are looking for an SUV. And it's been involved in a crime, and then they're struggling to identify it. <laughs> Witnesses say they think it had a four-cylinder diesel engine. And, and the punchline is sort of, police have narrowed it down to 120 suspect models. You know, and so, uh, it, it, the idea's there, but I just need to sort of refine it. You can see the artist at work. Here. And, <laughs> and that is the problem. And they're all broadly the same, and then sort of things do stand out because they're different, you know, like Alpine or whatever, but, and, they're, and they're more fun. There is nothing like the Defender. And but there's nothing like syphilis. You know, yes, you all right. There's nothing like being knifed in the heart. I know. We could go on. Yes, there's nothing like being in a Turkish prison for 17 years. But all right, there's nothing like it, but in a good way. Like there's nothing like I don't know drinking. I tequila. think I think that the reason why I I, I get it because I, I don't like them. I bought one new. Had a heavily romanticised notion that I'd own one from you, and that my children would learn to drive in it. It'd be like a, yeah. a Labrador that stayed in the family for forty years. And seven months in, I just wanted to burn the sodding thing because <laughs> I just, could, you know, you couldn't get anyone in it really, and you could, it wouldn't go around the car park, and it was just a pain in the ass. Then the Ford Puma engine broke, but but yeah. I, it wasn't like anything else. And and weirdly, when people were in it, they were happy. Yes, yeah. and it's they, a happy and car, and their heads car. bobbed around, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. and, I, and I, I really did enjoy that. It's yeah. a happy car. Do you know what? Yeah. There are certain prime defects. I mean, sometimes this is the thing. But it's, it's happy good. for how long though? If it would for, well, dri- uh, for thirty minutes, hour no, and God, a half. No, no, I've What's driven. The... So I've driven mine to North Yorkshire. I've driven it to Manchester. I, I, I've been over to by Wales. yourself or not? Uh, yeah, always by yeah. myself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would the, say. People, the people in the back bobbing around aren't happy after no, about twenty-five. minutes. It's funny you mention that because it is a bit of a solitary pleasure, and I haven't driven it. I hadn't driven it for a while. Just Have you got a 90? Or it's a 90, 90 yeah. A 90. So they do sort of, they, they pitch and do the other one yeah. as well. They, they, they're just generally like, you know, dinghy in a storm. But uh, we have, our family car now is a Jaguar I-Pace. So it's electric. So it's very quiet, very smooth. It has a nice ride. I've been driving around in that with my son, who's five. And then he and I were going to a car show. And I said, well, we'll go in the Defender. This is perfect. Because I, I, I think I'm overselling it to him now. He's old enough to be wise to this. But I kind of sell it to him when we go out in the Land Rover. It's like we're going on an adventure. And he does like it. Daddy's truck. But he, he knows he, it's for you. Yeah. <laughs> so we haven't been out in the Defender for ages. And I haven't been out with him in the Defender for ages. And we set off. And I suddenly looked in the mirror and saw his little head lolling around. Well, not even lolling, like being whipped around. I suddenly thought... This feels a bit like like negligence that I should not be reported to the NSPCC because he's had weeks of this sort of smooth, futuristic, <laughs> cosseted airbags and everything. And it's like, because when I ordered the Defender, I showed a picture of it when they announced those heritage ones. I showed a picture to my wife and she just went, oh my God, that's the coolest car I've ever seen. I went, I know. She went, can we get one? And I went, well, now it's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking, how am I going to butter her up for this? And, uh, but then she went, so do they do, a, do, they do an automatic? She prefers an auto. And I went, no, no, they don't. She's like, oh, okay. Um, is, it, is, is it all right for the kids? How many airbags have it got? And I was like, oh, it, it, it's got none. Yeah. She's like, this isn't our family car, is it? This is for you. And I went, yeah, it's for me. But I'm still going to get one. Is that all right? She's like, yeah, whatever. So. Are they still worth more than they were when they were new? I believe so. I think they probably are, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. You, well, his is, yeah, well, his is not because he's uh, done lots of mileage in it. You've got you to you put him yeah. in the garage and not use them. I know. That's, I did, that's I, the cool I, thing to do. I, I, was thought, I, I, I bet yours hasn't done 10,000 miles. Uh, it's done 8,000. So and it's three years old, three and a bit, three and a half. So yeah, it's not. I don't do mega miles in it, but but I, I do Will use it. Will you keep it. it forever? I couldn't imagine selling it. Put it that way. Yeah, <laughs> sounds really obtuse, but no, I couldn't. No, Whereas no, you know uh, the other car, because I have a, I have a, a, an old uh, Porsche nine nine seven Gen two, which we'll, I'm sure you want to bring up in a minute for <laughs> one 
double clutched reason. And, uh, I, you know, I could imagine selling it. I love it, but I could imagine just at one point yeah. I'll go, oh, you know, I'll chop that in for a, for a 991. For, a new, for a new Defender that's coming Well, out. yeah. <laughs> I know someone who's seen that new Defender, and I said, is it any good? And they just went, you'll want one. And I went, oh, no. I've heard that's it looks like news. a Discovery 4 with a wheelbase chopped out of it. That sounds quite appealing to me. That's what a Defender should be. Yeah. I don't get me started on the new Defender, though. Oh. I can't bear to read people online talking about it because they're all getting it wrong. I wrote a column about this, but just like, people go, I hope it's true to its roots. I hope you can hose out the interior. I'm like, who's hosing out the fucking interior of anything? You lunatic. The seats will get wet. Mine's got a stereo in it. I mean, what are you doing? Who hoses out the interior of their car? But people that get to cream after Christmas uh, oh, lunch. No. Well, yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> very, honestly, he'll have a star dock from the road test because he hasn't got a three locking diffs or something. Yeah, I know, that's the thing. And I was just going, and it's like, but I, I can't remember if I did this as a story, but it's just, yeah, people who won't buy car want it to do things they'll never do. It's well, just, the, and, and the great irony of the Defender, of course, is that the, the agricultural community that, that bought into it 40 years ago abandoned it for Isuzu's about 20 years yeah, ago anyway. They've all got L200s and things now, haven't they? That's the thing. Because I do people go, I hope, I hope the new Defender will be available in Welsh Farmer spec. And it's like, Welsh Farmer spec is an L200. Yeah. So let's just drop that. That romanticised notion of yeomanry that does not exist. Although, somebody told me a fantastic story about a, a, an old farmer up in North Yorkshire who, you know, one of those kind of classic farmers who's got a surprising amount of money and went down to his local Land Rover dealer with his old Defender and went, want a new one of these? And he went, we don't make them anymore, sir. Uh, what's that? Oh, well, that's the new Evoke, sir, but that's, that's a very different car. How much? Well, 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 this one is top of the range, sir, and this is £45,000. That's all right, I'll have it. <laughs> so he took it and he bought, he bought the Evoke and then he just started using it like a Defender and, it was, and putting bales in the back and all sorts of stuff like that. And, and it, was, it was holding up okay, but it was filthy. And one day he went down, he went down to the town, Ripon or wherever, and he went to the local supermarket and they've got a car wash, one of the old-fashioned ones with roller brushes. And he's sitting in there having it washed. Looks down, there's a button down there I've, I've never pressed. What does that do? Pushes it, electric tailgate goes up. And gets ripped off <laughs> by the car wash and he goes oh bugger and drives off <laughs> and the supermarket contact the dealer because the tailgate's got the plate on it with the dealer's name on it and they go uh, yeah have you sold a car registration yeah yeah well uh, we've got the tailgate in our broken car wash <laughs> could you ring the customer and ask them to come and get it back please <laughs> we digress but anyway yeah Defender I do love my Defender and I, I really couldn't imagine selling it I don't know why it, I just I, and also I live in London I mean it's absurd I know that and I don't I've never taken it off road which I know is, is, is laughable in a way but, but that's not the point I just love the way it's, it, it is it's unlike anything else that's the main thing and, I, and it is a happy car and one of the happiest things you can do in a Defender is on a lovely summer's day in the English countryside with all the windows down Hedros. Yeah, I don't know why. It, well, the two car of them in the feels. Yes, yeah, yeah. I don't bother with the sliders <laughs> at the back. Uh, and, and just just mobbing it. Because you can absolutely mob them along as well, don't you find? Because they handle in a. I'd love to find out. I, I, I kind of know why, because it's got a beam axle. So the tyres don't. They stay at all points. They're, they're always sort of upright to the ground. They don't, there's no kind of lean in them, and they don't, they don't have that kind of geometry. And so they, they corner in a really unusual way. They have got quite a lot of grip, but you've got no sense of where and, and when it might and be. And the thing about anything with a ladder chassis is you're always busy because they don't settle in a straight line. They, yes. they're, they're always you're always reacting to another input. So you do you're a bit bone Luke Duke. You're always like this. You're yes. always doing something. Mr. T like, in the 80s. Yeah, like what, 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 why are you doing that? Uh, Aren't you driving in a straight line? Yeah. 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 No, that's the other thing actually. Is it's, it makes you drive it. Mm. You can't ever just 
phone it in, you've got, you're always busy because you're doing wheel stuff and you're changing gear and you, you've also you trying to maintain momentum, so you're always looking ahead. It's, so it's, I know this sounds absurd, but I regard it as a driver's car because you have got to grab it and drive With it. With this level of wistfulness, you could write for Autocar magazine. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even got onto how much tread shuffle it's got. <laughs> now, before we finish this, I want to just ask you about a um, broader question. The state of the motoring media and um, where it's heading, where we're at. I'm, I think it's a really interesting time for, for what we do mm. for a living. Um, I know that you have work outside of the awful world of cars because <laughs> you actually have a talent outside of this world. Um, sadly, most of us don't. Um, but I think, I think it's quite scary at the moment. I think there are some opportunities to be had. Mm. But there's, there's basically there's a couple of big budget TV gigs going. That's not many jobs. And then mm. there's some smaller budget telly out there. There's a whole load of noise on YouTube. Yeah. There's a thing called an influencer, which I know we've both got views on. <laughs> and then and then there's the sort of the poor old magazine market, which just seems to be increasingly decimated. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I think the state of the magazine market is really sad because I love magazines. I'm mm. quite passionate about them. Yeah. Um, and I, I suppose the sort of, like anyone that's incumbent, I find new arrivals a bit scary. I, I, you know, instinctively you just go, Ooh, where did you come from? You're suddenly very popular. What's this all about? So that's yeah. just, that's what happens when you're an old bastard, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I, it's, it's quite easy to sort of rail against the influencers, but the, the, the figures are impressive. Yeah, so you they're undeniably good. Yeah. It doesn't matter what I think or you think because lots of people do like them. Yeah. So they're clearly doing something right. And it is a very different way of doing it. Because um, I have this little YouTube channel with my mate Johnny Smith and it's just two blokes in a car talking rubbish. And we have you know really pitiful viewer numbers and subscriber numbers and all that. But we just do it because we, we like hanging out together and talking rubbish. But also, we now pay an editor to cut our videos and... I tried, I used to edit them, but I'm terrible at it. And I, I tried editing one the way an influence would do, which is loads of jump cuts. It's basically just slap, slap happy, just cut, yeah, cut, yeah. cut. You know, they don't finesse it. You don't use cutaways, as we call them, you know, other shots to cover cuts or anything yeah. like that. You don't, you don't try and match things in. You, you just, influencers are like one camera and they just talk to it. And if there's a fluff, they just cut it out. Or they just jump cut it. And, and, and I tried doing that because obviously that's a very efficient way, apart from the else, of, of editing. But I'm an old-fashioned telly head, you know. I, I was brought up my, you know, in in the television world, and I've kind of worked in it on and off for twenty odd years, and and I just couldn't do it. It was so ugly to me, and yet I know that the, the, it's obviously not putting people off because people, millions of people, sometimes watch influence videos that are just jump cut. They're overexposed. They're out of focus. They're ugly. They're technically very bad, but it doesn't matter anymore. And I think guess because everyone's watching it on their phones, and perhaps people aren't even watching all of it because everybody's quite sort of fickle. It sort of doesn't matter. It's just content. Get content out there. And it's like, you know, these influencers putting up one, two videos a week, maybe a video a day. It's, it's a different mentality. And I, I think I'm just too old to do it. So it, it's, it's, you can criticise it. There's plenty to criticise. Do you think you could do a series of videos entitled, Should I Buy a... Yeah, well, I did too. Do you know I did a oh, thing? Oh, what was your what was your what was your character called? Uh, he's I can't remember. Your he's, name. he's called Ollie High Guys. Ollie High Guys uh, from yeah. the On the Rim YouTube channel, <laughs> which is actually a slightly crude. No, I, mean, I, I, should, I should grow <laughs> on up. On the rim. I know. Well, that's the thing. Because, uh, yeah, the payoff. So I, I, I've, I've been meaning to do it for ages. It's a par- it's, it's a written parody of a of, the, of a of a, an influencer, and the gag such as it is is that it's sort of in one kind of 
six, seven hundred words. Unbroken it's, monologue, it, isn't it's, it? Yeah, it's a sort of written out monologue where it goes through the sort of five stages of an influencer's car, which is, hi guys, I'm thinking of buying this. Oh, guys, I've ordered it, but what colour should I get? Oh, I'm in such... Oh, hey, guys, my car's here. Right, this is the big one. I'm going to wrap my car. Okay, guys, I'm selling the car. <laughs> And rinse and repeat. And that's sort of how it, how it works. So I just thought, I'll just condense that. Into, and I've been planning to do this for ages. And then I just thought, no, I'm not going to do it because it just sounds like an old fart railing against something. Yeah, that that's my understand. view as well. I don't want to sound like an old fart, but I also... Well, I did do it in the end. Clearly, clearly. You you said it earlier on that, you know, the, uh, the, the manufacturers and the entitlement now, you know, they're sort there of... Is, it's creeping in a bit, probably. Yeah. But the, the, you don't become an influencer without, a successful influencer without being quite clever. And one thing that I don't understand about a lot of the, the behaviour is that if you if you sort of create um, a routine around your around your work that means that you generate interest by buying a new car, mm. it's pretty difficult to sustain that because you yeah. you just got to keep buying new cars. <laughs> you know, you got to buy one a week. And yeah. I, I don't care how well resourced you are; that's going to become painful at some point. And also, and the, I think the manufacturers are beginning to feel this. You begin to devalue the specialness of buying a car quite quickly. Yeah. And manufacturers really still want that to be quite special because you're handing over a large chunk of money well, or a large chunk. to main dealers, but yes, I yeah, know what but, you mean. But you know, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're buying a new one, oh, it's a big special unveil of my car. But mm. Wayne, you saw one three days ago. Yeah. It, I, think, I just think that's difficult to sustain. You can so see think, another influence in the back of shot also. <laughs> 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 Yeah. But, but I think what's interesting will be because they're not stupid these people what are they, they're going to work it out soon enough what are they going to do yeah. what are they going to do instead because they're going to do something aren't they um, to, to maintain the audience keep growing their audiences so I'm sort of sitting back waiting to see what the next move well, is well I mean if you look at someone there's a guy Mr JWW who's, who's sort of started doing more editorial and he goes and drives old cars and he's not pretending he's bought them he's just doing editorial and yeah. it's quite interesting that he's shifted that way because in, essentially he's moving back towards car journalism uh, uh, yeah car yeah. journalism and, yeah. and fair play to him because I think you know he, he's doing a decent job of it but uh, I, I do wonder whether there'll be a little bit of the, the smart ones will as you say they'll, they'll figure it out because they obviously have I mean if you remember when Influencers were sort of relatively new thing in the car world, and it was a l- mostly just sort of well-spoken teenagers slash blokes in their twenties going around Knightsbridge filming supercars. It was city boys in their lunch break, yeah, with a, with a camcorder going, "I quite like Lamborghinis." Because I wanted to do a parody of that, where it was just I was going to walk around like where I live in Finchley, just like going, "Oh my god, it's, it's a Corsa, Astra Belmont, it's the Splash <laughs> Special Edition, guys." Oh my god, are those their thirteen-inch rims? Oh my god. Are those Halfords wheel trims? I think they are, and 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 I never got around to it. But it it has moved on from that already. And yeah. I mean, I, I would I would love to. If I, I think had, I think you still might have to do that. <laughs> not doing much else. You, you, you've what, got some good content ready. I, I wanted to do as well uh, to parody where where a lot of influencers are now. Would do a a thing where, but it would involve me having to buy like an MG Montego. Which actually they're probably like five grand now, so it's a bit silly to throw away. Five remember, grand. I remember, I phoned you the other day. What, what was it? Text message about buying a Prius. I was going to buy a Prius. Yeah, and I was going to do a big, you know, YouTube video. Right, guys, big secret project. Should I buy a? It was going to be an O four Prius. I was because it sounded funny at the time. Your reaction proves why I shouldn't have done it in the first what? place. No, I, I was smiled. encouraging you, but um, but I, I couldn't I couldn't find a bloody Prius because they'll get snapped up by Uber drivers. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't find one yeah. anywhere. But I but I thought I thought that would be the way to the way to approach that would be to to try and find some ordinary cars and take and take the piss. But I think we're all a bit busy, aren't we? I think what I find really tricky is that when 
when we were trying to be vaguely worthy and not too silly back in the day, someone like you came along and just took the piss out of us mercilessly. <laughs> the level of, the level of narcissism that's going on in some of these YouTube videos is yeah. It's is sometimes I can't tell whether they're just taking the piss or whether they're being serious or not. But there's no one taking the mickey out of them. So you need to be doing you it. You're the man. I, I, You're I, responsible. I, I was going to do another one of those Ollie High guys ones uh, just because the first one played so well and basically I'm shameless whore. And I'll just do stuff <laughs> like that. And I did another. But prior to that, I did another sort of influencer one, which was but was more of a sort of a, a, a parody of the kind of um, mummy blogger thing. I, I can't remember what was like oh, the character was called like Xenia Biscafisca or something, and it was like yeah, yeah. she's she's this, but it's Xenia Biscafisca. I think it was. I can't remember my own my own <laughs> character's name, but and she's she's you know gets given is being given cars to test. But Have she knows you ever had about. a journalist send you a legal letter because something was a bit too close to the bone? Uh, not a journalist. No, I had uh, the only people who've ever sent me a legal letter are a well-known London estate agent chain who <laughs> used to have minis that had distinctive liveries really? on. Yeah. And I did a... It was, just a, it was, a, it was a picture uh, of one of their minis, or two of them, and they'd got uh, sort of the standard uh, you know, male genitals spray-painted on the side, and one of them had a very, very rude word written up the side of it. I think it said, money-grabbing... <laughs> and, and, and the picture was cropped just before the last letter... And the caption was just, estate agent's real name, regrets asking punters to design their new livery. Or <laughs> and I got a proper legal letter from there. Yeah, really big, sort of heavy-handed one. And I thought, I don't know why, because I'm usually a bit of a coward about these things. But rather than, because they went, we want to know who you are and give us your name and address and all this sort of stuff. And, blah. and I was just like, no, they don't. They're just trying to scare me. So I just wrote, I've taken the picture down. Bye. And they wrote back and went, that is satisfactory. I worked I've for also, a state agent very you? similar to that, and uh, we had a meeting one day in Mayfair, and they said, uh, "Look, guys and girls, just you know, be sensible when you drive these minis. They've got the numbers on the side of them, <laughs> and you know, they're sort of it's pretty evident that uh, who they belong to." And the, everyone on a Friday all met for the meeting, and of course, it had to be me, didn't it, that drove home from that meeting like an absolute lunatic. And uh, got the call on the Monday mornings. I got cut up on a Friday afternoon by <laughs> this one with number X on the side. <laughs> Do you know uh, the other one? I just remembered this because it's uh, the only the time I uh, there was a bit of a, an unfortunate situation with the uh, the late Russell Belgian car journalist, who's a complete hero of mine. But I, there was for various reasons, me mostly me being a, a div. I I wrote a story about him and. And he, there was a sort of some confusion. He, but basically, he thought that someone was, someone else was writing sniff petrol and was having a pop at him, and it wasn't me. It was someone he knew, uh, and he didn't like it. So I took that story down. Um, but uh, and that was all kind of fine. But then more recently, I wrote a thing. You know, there's an ongoing campaign to try and get the late John Surtees a knighthood. Yeah. When he was still alive, obviously. Yeah. Was, and it was going on for a while, and people did petitions and stuff. And I just did this story about how it's saying so John, John Surtees didn't want a Why bloody knighthood. Why did he never get a knighthood? I don't know. It does was seem he, unfair, he, doesn't it? Was he having a pop on Princess Margaret back in the 60s and didn't know about it? Or what? There must, be some, there must be some reason why. Well, I just did this story saying John Surtees doesn't want a knighthood. It would be a real <laughs> inconvenience to have to get all my bank cards reissued, and he said. <laughs> and then I got this, this email from his PA or someone saying, um, we've seen the story. This, this, this isn't true. 
And those aren't things that John would say. And I was like, I know it's, a, it's, it's just meant to be a joke. But I was sort of like, oh, God, I don't want to upset John Surtees. He's a bloody legend. So I just took that story down because it was like... It also, was, when you have to explain the gag... I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, oh, God, I forgot as well. I did one, I did one years ago when MG Rover was still around. I did a thing about how the whole of MG Rover had been put on eBay. <laughs> by desperate management and I got a letter from one of their lawyers I mean it was an email it wasn't like well, a full I'm legal asking you to bid it just went, yes how much is it up to is it 15 pounds the, the bidding ends in I think of all of them we'll wrap up in a second but uh, the, of all of them your greatest contribution you're going to hate this for me to the motoring landscape was the Bob Lutz one what is a Saab when, when oh, GM had bought Saab. God, and this, this wonderful, you painted this picture of this board meeting at, at General Motors, an EGM, an emergency general meeting's being called to discuss yeah. G- General oh, Motors' sprawling empire. Now. And Bob Lutz, the figurehead, sits there and says, What is a Saab? Because <laughs> they own it. This idea. Do you know what's, it, this far removed parent company had no idea what a Saab was. I loved it when Bob Lutz was, was high ranking at GM because. Apart from else, the whole thing, when I set up Sinfactual, the problem was it was like cars aren't inherently funny and F1 isn't inherently funny. But what is funny is people taking themselves a bit too seriously. Yeah. And F1 is, particularly back then, very po-faced, sometimes a bit pompous. So that was kind of, the, the more seriously they took themselves, the easier it was. And so it's why you sort of, McLaren is an easier target than, say, Red Bull somehow, because they're just a bit more serious. Yeah. And the same with, you know, having a little go at, at car journalists who are sort of, you know, steely-eyed wheelmen because they're taking themselves a bit seriously. You know, that's me, basically. I'm, just give over. That's the thing, people go, who is it? Who is it? And I'm like, it's, it's a composite. It's not one person. It really isn't. Um, but the, the, the Bob Lutz thing, he was another way to sort of try and get a gag out of it because you could create this character that obviously wasn't really him but was rooted in truth so I think because I used to I used to do these stories about how he, he sort of used to threaten people with guns to redesign the glove box in the Chevy <laughs> Captiva or whatever and, and he portrayed like, him as a kind of violent ex-Vietnam Tony yeah. Stark character yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. No, he's <laughs> constantly got a cigar on the go but there was one bit I can't remember which story it was but where the, 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 he went home to get his jet fighter they used to, to commute to F-16. the engineering <laughs> offices yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it was like it was like when he left. It's, it's the, all those things, and you know, it's always like really useless F one drivers. People are going, well, they shouldn't be in the sport, and I'm going, bloody brilliant. Yeah, Get some material. <laughs> Remember the Eddie, the story you wrote, the fake story about Eddie Irvine's pay packet, because there was this story, wasn't there? That was that was. I thought it was apocryphal. Turned out to be true that one Ford family member was looking down the payroll, and the fourth highest paid person was E Irvine Esquire, <laughs> and they'd never heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. Oh, so you didn't write that story. That was someone else that wrote that then. Yeah. Sorry, I was, I, was, I was attributing that to you. No, no. Right, no. we could go on forever. Um, you've been an absolute sport. Thank you so much. I've giggled oh, thank lots you for and lots. Um, you, best of luck with everything. I hope we see um, you writing for a motoring show at some point in the future because no one, um, no one expresses car cars humorously the way you do I mean some of the stuff you've written about them is, is brilliant uh, enjoy your Defender enjoy your I-Pace you should have bought a Tesla Model 3 um, and uh, enjoy what? the rest of summer hang on whoa whoa whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> no I shouldn't anyway you can't yet they're a while off aren't they right hand drive I think they're coming later this year yeah I might, I might, the I-Pace I might is, have a, is, is tremendous I might have a pop myself and, and actually quite well made is it yeah well, it's built by Austrians, isn't it? It's built by Magnus Steyr. And Magnus oh, Steyr's job go, is building cars. You don't cars. want to go there. You don't want to say that. <laughs> we can delete that. We bit. might need what? to do an you're electric show. Uh, you're saying, you're, you're saying your fellow Midlanders can't build a car? I'm just saying Magnus Steyr build cars for other people, so it's in their interest to do it well, otherwise they will lose work. 
well covered. And on that note, um, <laughs> tune in next time for another Collecting Cars podcast. But that's us over and out. Uh, go onto the website now and see if you can find anything fun to buy. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.